0: living a well-balanced lifestyle goes beyond ensuring your finances are in order welcome to keeping the well in wealthy with barbara archer from hightower barbara speaks with wellness industry leaders and related professionals to share more than financial planning advice she addresses your questions about living a healthy lifestyle at any age learn how to gracefully maneuver life's challenges with support and resources to guide you along the way Barbara and the team at Hightower help you make a plan, make an investment, and make a difference in your own wealth and well-being, and in your families, and within your community. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well and Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to Keeping the Well and Wealthy with your host, Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara, how are you?
2: I am terrific, Eric. How are you today?
1: Well, you, you know me,
2: yeah. Still a little
1: under the weather, but I'm so happy to be here with you.
2: Well, Eric, I'm glad you're here with me too. And I wonder if part of your immunity being down and you getting sick could have anything to do with work-life balance. Do you believe in work-life balance?
1: <laughs> I believe in trying. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how good I am at it, but uh, that's a question from my wife maybe, right?
2: Ah, it's for everyone. (laughs) And we're going to discuss that today. So have you ever felt like you were running on fumes or just trying to do too much and basically feeling burned out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, today, we will discuss how to avoid such feelings with our expert, Sue Hawks. So Eric, I'm going to let you rest up your voice and we'll have you join us in a few minutes.
1: Fantastic. Thank you.
2: Well, let me introduce you to Sue Hawks. She helps business owners be intentionally great in their businesses as leaders and in their lives. In addition to serving as CEO of Yes, she is a bestselling author. Her latest book is Chasing Perfection, Shatter the Illusion, Minimize Self-Doubt and Maximize Success. She is a keynote speaker, certified business coach, Women Presidents Organization Chapter Chair and Globally Recognized Seminar Leader. She is frequently contributing to Forbes, Fast Company, Inc., and Entrepreneur, and has been recognized and honored by the Small Business Administration, Minnesota Business Magazine, and the National Association of Women Business Owners. So I can go on and on about how fun Sue is, but I think you need to hear her for yourself. So welcome, Sue. Thanks for having me, Barbara. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. So could you please share your story and how you started coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders?
3: You know, it's funny. I Yes, I can. And I think it's more interesting, given today's topic, to talk about how we even got there. But I fell into it, is the truth. My life unfolded in a way where I was going down the medical path in college and all kinds of things happened that pointed me a whole different direction. And coaching was a byproduct of taking some trainings that I I participated in and ended up running the company in my, oh, I'll say mid-20s, which
2: I had no business doing and <laughs> I did poorly. Well, that's hard to believe, but um, that, that's self-judgment too, isn't it? No, I think it's factual when you look at the business is out of business. I mean, what I would
3: say is, you know, it's humbling. I was an ambitious, you know, driven woman, which I would say I still am. But the truth of the matter is I was willing to go for it. And the people who owned the company originally trusted me to do that. And truthfully, I just didn't have the background or the experience to know what I was doing. So I made all kinds of mistakes. Um, now, I'm not going to say it was only a result of what I did, but really, truly, that's where I cut my teeth on my first business that I really was in charge of. And so I think I learned more as growth happens, you know, from Absolutely. the pain
2: than the good stuff. Well, that's great. So that makes you even better to coach people because you understand <laughs> what it's like whenever you're feeling maybe a little insecure and a little overwhelmed at times.
3: Absolutely.
2: I like the minimization of that too. There you go. (laughs) Well, you know, when you take on new projects, or sometimes we take on too many projects, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about your tools to shatter that work-life balance illusion, and we all want to avoid burnout. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about some of these tools. And can you maybe give me some of your top tools that you'd recommend today? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, the first one is learning to
3: say no, which Mm -hmm. I'll say for many people is one of the hardest things they can do, because no in and of itself is a complete sentence. Most of us make excuses and tell people the whys and take on things because we feel some sort of relationship pressure that really has nothing to do with whether we have capacity or not to do something.
2: So, Sue, I think saying no is a tough, tough Mm -hmm. word for many of us to say. So let's role play here a second. Sure. So I'm going to say to you, Sue, you are so important to our community. I really would love you to be on my not-for-profit board. And we only have two meetings a month. Would you please, please, please join our board? Okay. Oh, Barbara, thank you
3: so much for thinking that highly of me. I really appreciate the work you do and the work the board does. And it sounds like a fabulous opportunity. At this point, I simply can't add one more thing. Please consider me in the future, but probably for the next year or so. I am really committed. I'm at capacity, but so honored you would think of me.
2: Oh, thank you. So you just said no to me, broke my heart. so let's well, do an, let's do another one. Yeah. This is um from social contacts that maybe want to do some networking with you and maybe they're not the right person and you really want to say no to an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So Sue, let's get together for drinks or for lunch. Are you free next week? How about next Thursday or Friday?
3: You know, I cannot do that. I do know someone who could help you, and they're across the room for us. I'd be happy to make an introduction.
2: Oh, you are good. And you've never been in politics?
3: (laughs) (laughs) And and I don't want to, Barbara, ever. Um, But the important thing, if there wasn't that person in the room, is to say, you know what? I can't do that right now. And that's enough. What I know is, and this is what's helped me, and I know we're role-playing. So if I'm listening, I'm going, yeah, it sounds great when you control the conversation. But the flip side is when you think about it, with a clear yes and a clear no, people can free their energy, which is the whole point in the balance context. When your energy is going forward on what matters to you, you're usually energized, excited, positive, because it's the stuff that matters to you and being able to say no freeze that other person as well so it's really an act of service i like to say a heck yes or a heck no mm-hmm. everything that's just in the middle is really not good right it's the maybe world uh,
2: that's fair to everyone isn't it
3: it is and I've... it's not easy to do most of us were raised i know i was and as i'm listening to you probably you were That, you know, good people, you should try and do it. And I always say, you can say no and still help someone. You can still make a connection. You can say, I'll follow up with you in a month or so with someone as soon as, you know, if I think of someone, I'd be happy to connect you. And you can just say, I'm sorry, I'm just at capacity at this time.
2: Done. Thank you. Well. I've looked at your website, I've read your ebook, I've read your new published book, I just signed up for your blog. So I'm always fascinated with all of your hacks and hints. And one of the ones I read about was calendaring, the calendaring exercise. Can you share that with the audience, please? Yes, and what I would say, and thank
3: you for doing all of that man I need a 1000 Barbara's um, (laughs) on top of all that you lend I listened to that podcast you suggested and I have her book on my shelf over here, by the way, Um, so it all came together when I heard her, Um, but that being said. um, This is probably the most important exercise I personally have done, which is it's a simple exercise, but I'll tell you it's painful in that for me, I printed three months of my calendar. I happened to do it not around the holidays because I wanted, you know, a little more normal time of year, if you will. But you can do it any time of year and printed that and set it aside. Just a monthly view of all my tasks, my work and my home. And then I took a blank calendar, took three blank months, and I wrote down what would be ideal. You know, where, what, what would I want to do ideally? And what I did, and this is all outlined in the book, is I prioritized before I wrote the ideal version, I went, what are my values? What is most important to me? What if you ask me what are your most important priorities in life? What would you say? And no matter who I ask this question of, you know what they say, Barbara? I'm gonna ask you. I bet they're the same
2: three. My family. Uh-huh. My work. Uh-huh. And always last is me and my health and yeah. taking care of me.
3: So shocker, 90% of people say those three in whatever order. And then when me too, by the way, and when I put this blank calendar out and I said, all right, these are my three important things. And I wrote my ideal and it resembled almost nothing of my real calendar. When I put Mm. them side by side, I did the comparison of this is how I want to be living perfect life. And this is the imperfect one I'm living right now. Now, I wasn't going to make a 180 degree shift to the ideal and I knew I was writing ideal from a, I'm going to get work in but I thought of work third and that was a mind changer so just the mm-hmm. thought of I'm going to plan for me first for my family and relationships second and for my work third and I have never abandoned that so I will tell you mm-hmm. that's shocker one but shocker two was how much work I had to do Because I looked at three full months, not a bad week, not the stories I told myself about, oh, it's just the holidays, or oh, it's just our busy time at work, or oh, it's because I've committed to that keynote, or it's this group of people. And I'm sure no one listening has done any of these justifications, but I literally thought there was some there. I I have a saying, there is no there there was some there I was going to get to one day. And then I started going, Well, that's my life that's there. And if I don't do it, somebody needs to so that's the first step in this. And then the redesign is somewhere in between. And it might be closer to the one you're living currently, but it's adjusted. And every year, I do the same exercise at the end of the year, where I compare the two and I go, Am I improving? am i making progress do i feel it Mm -hmm. does it still align are those priorities still the priorities and i have a list of all the areas in your life but that's literally phase one and i think it's the most important thing because what we say and what we're actually living is where balance lives because you and i aren't going to define it the same
2: no we won't but what i hear is writing down those values first then by looking at your calendar, really setting up your priorities, and then beginning the execution. But having that comparison of reality to the vision of what we want really is very helpful.
3: Exactly. And you have to recalibrate. The one thing I don't want anyone to be in the illusion of is that it's a fixed state. Because what you think is ideal for me in my 30s, or 40s or somewhere in there when my life was dramatically disrupted to today, radically different. So if you don't recalibrate, again, you start living, at least some of us, myself included, look at like that ideal is this fixed thing that I'm never going to get to instead of, oh, it's changed again. Well, we're always
2: trying to improve. And I will tell you that work-life balance, I have always worked too hard or played too hard. That, so, my balance, I guess, is more like a big pendulum. I mean, I'm going back and forth. So, uh, I've never been, I guess, I've always been on balance. So. But there I think go. we all are <laughs> in someone else's eyes.
3: I think you know it when you have those moments, and they really are just moments of this is exactly, today is a really good day, or this week, was really awesome. I got enough sleep, and I had enough fun, and I worked really hard. And I was with people I loved, doing work I loved, and I was compensated, right. And there was time left over for all the things that mattered, you know, and I made a difference. And I think those are the big buckets that as we listen, when you listen to yourself, your adjustment on those is different than mine is different than Eric's than anybody else's.
2: Well, let's talk about some more of these tools. Um, We've talked about a little bit in the past about simplification or a support network. And can you dig a little deeper for us about that? What, you know, we can talk about simplification. It's a nice word. Mm -hmm. And I think the calendaring helps because then you really see what's crammed in there. But could you give us some more details on how we can get our arms around all of this? So a simplification
3: for me is, to your point, a really big concept. It's like communication. There's not a one thing. But it can be environmental. I think you have to look at what level you're talking about. Because for people like me, that can be purging my closet. I do that twice a year. And I just have one simple rule because I do better when I set my own boundaries. If it hasn't been on my body in the last year, I don't need it. And it doesn't matter if it's too big, too small, with the exception of a few, um, maybe more sentimental pieces from my mother, or who's now dead, you know, things like that, that might or a gift from someone, those kinds of things, I might make an exception, but I have a very small grouping of that. And what's happened is it does reduce over time, instead of this massive... We tend to binge and purge and think, you know, New Year's resolutions, I'm going to do it all instead of I'm going to make consistent incremental changes. You can look beyond environment to people you spend time with. You talk about network of support. You know, one of the things I talk about is who lifts you up when it's a hard day and who are your energy vampires? You know, the people that no matter when you reach them, even when you're depleted, they need you they need something and it feels unhealthy or uh, maybe like they're needing you in a way that depletes you and that's a choice and so I talk about losing naysayers or people who don't fuel you in a forwarding way it's more limiting and that choice is a simplification you know looking at your calendar and again I plan vacation first. My vacation is planned for the entire next year with my husband the year before, a year and a quarter before we sit down, we plan the whole thing. And then on New Year's, we sit down with what's called a personal VTO, which is an aspect of um, the operating system I teach entrepreneurs. But it's for personal. And we do that so we know what home projects we're doing. VTO? VTO? Yes, a vision traction organizer. So it's basically a life plan. It's what trips are we going to take? What projects are we going to do around our home? What things matter to him that he can't get off track with? What things for me are important? Our health is always on there. How much are we going to work out? We go to a trainer together. So it's a fun thing. It's a together thing. And we manage together because we keep each other accountable. And we found that works for us. So well, things you like know, that simplify.
2: Well, and you brought up your exercise and, and doing planning together with your husband. Um, so you heard from me where my number three always kind of drops to the bottom and I'm bad about that. We, many yeah. of us neglect self-care. We Amen. always seem to be putting others first when I know we hear, put the mask on yourself first, before you put the mask on the child on the airplane. But, um, it's, it's tough. So how can we change this? Again, I'm going to advocate for slow
3: incremental improvement. You're mm-hmm. not going to go from not making yourself a priority, but that calendar exercise, seeing it for me, I'm visual. And I think you have to find your mechanism. But when I could see, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm tired. You can't work 16 hours a day. And while I know that, If I love my work, which you do and I do, it's easy to get lost in it because you're enjoying it and yet would taking a walk in the middle of the day interrupt that and bring even more passion and enthusiasm, but also fill you back up
2: and energy right Right. bring
3: back some energy and knowing when you work. I talk a lot with people about for me. I'm a great morning person. I do. If you've ever heard of the miracle morning. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's an acronym called SAVERS in the book. And whether you ascribe to the whole thing or not, it's silence, appreciation, visioning, um, exercise, reading, and scribing. So writing of some sort. And that acronym keeps me current every day. I try and do at least five minutes. Okay, that's not a lot. If I don't have 30 minutes for me, something's really wrong. And when you divide out how many minutes are in a day, that's a minor portion. That's less than 5% of my day for me. And so before I, you know, get going in the morning, I do silence, appreciation, and visioning. And my visioning is the top two things that will make me feel successful and fulfilled for the day. If I can get extra, yeah. And if I can, and that's 15 minutes into my day, I do not pick up my phone. Because I was one of those people who started, my alarm went off. I'd shut it off. I'd open it up, and God knows someone was in in control of my day then. I'm okay, responding
2: I'm, to someone else. I'm going to ask you one more time. It's savor. So give us savers. What each savor. So give us yep. each one. So the audience, if they want to jot these down, the first it's s silence. So silence. five minutes of being quiet and focusing on your
3: breath. Some people would call it meditation. Meditation.
2: Yep. Okay. Good. Your
3: form of silence, but Good. not busying yourself immediately,
2: and then the and a? you do huh oh, I was getting to the a <laughs> the a is appreciation, okay, so gratitude so many of, some of sort. us do gratitude journals. I do mine at night, but yep,
3: and you can okay. just say them. You don't have to write them down, but sure. if you do a journal, you're also getting the scribing, which is ah, the last last one because journaling of some sort, right? Okay. I do a blog every day. And then visioning. Visioning. Yep. Okay. And visioning for me, as I told you, is the top two things. Never more than two. And I do those. My goal always is to do them before I do anything else. Love because now that. I've won my day and everything's
2: bonus. You've made a successful day out of it by those two things.
3: Exactly. Way to Ex- start. Exercise is your E. Okay. And, you know again guideline on the quick sheet for incremental improvement do five minutes that could be an intentional brisk walk that could be taking the stairs instead of you know all the little quick hacks we've all heard oh sure it's any of those park in the farthest parking spot and hustle in but it's that intentionality starts to shape how you start to make time and I talk about how to get exercise in with lowering the bar which is different And then the R is reading, Reading. at least five minutes of reading. And that can be something to fill your spirit. That can be business education. That can be, you know, I read the Morning Brew, which is a great little newsletter that gets me up on all the world events, takes five minutes every day.
2: Uh, Great hacks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Hal Elrod's book. It's a
3: gentleman by the name of Hal Elrod, The Miracle Morning. And whether, again, you read the whole book or not, I want to make sure, you know, he gets credit. It's fabulous. And the thing I would tell you to begin, a lot of us think we have to come out of the gate and have it right. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, well, you know, us type A's.
3: Correct. Like, I've got to know how to do that. I know how to exercise. It's three times a week, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're not doing it, three is a lot more than zero or occasional so to me it's lower the bar and at the most desperate difficult time in my own life i literally had to tell myself 10 minutes once a week i'm going for a walk and that was all i could manage because my life had fallen apart and that was a very real thing at that time and all of a sudden I had a few weeks of my one time I hit it and all of a sudden I started to go in a very quiet way in a very small way because that's no big deal but it was a big deal at the time I went I'm winning at this I'm doing it and I would find time for a second time right it was only Mm -hmm. 10 minutes but I would find another day and pretty soon I was doing that Every day, and I want to tell you, it was less than six months, but it was 10 minutes a day It was not a huge hill and it led to. I'm going to go to the gym and I had always been an athlete, but I fell away from it for years and i'm, I'm telling you consistent incremental improvement way more important than setting big goals in terms of building habits.
2: Hmm, this is good to know. So even resolutions, we should probably have steps in there to reach certain goals, taking I, those small steps each time. hundred percent. I have an article, four <laughs>
3: reasons to never set a resolution.
2: Ah, okay. Well, we're going to have to take a look we at that We can send one. that to you if you'd like it. Thank you. I would love to see that.
4: <laughs> Excuse the interruption. I know you're listening to Towers keeping the well and wealthy podcast. But if you have questions related to these or other wellness and financial issues, please reach out to your advisor or go to HightowerAdvisors.com to find a financial advisor near you. Now, back to Barbara.
2: Let's talk about something else that you and I have discussed in the past. And that is, you know, when people are feeling stressed or they're not getting everything done and sometimes they step back and they think of the imposter syndrome. And I've read that 70 to 80% of leaders experience this. And I'm just not going to say leaders, because leaders makes it sound like this is a higher, um, someone that's a CEO or a business owner. But I have had these discussions with friends of mine that are um, leaders in the community, Mm -hmm. where they feel sometimes they say, why are people depending upon me? Because do I really have it in me to lead and achieve these things. And depending upon the job, uh, it it could be someone starting a new job that feels overwhelmed. They don't understand the learning curve. So let's talk about that imposter syndrome.
3: Well, I think you've described it well. And in a performance-based world, which we all live in, um, most of us, again, I'm talking to the type A people in whatever way they show up, Once you've won at something or been successful, I like to say success can be its own learning disability, meaning I assume, rightfully so, now that I did that, I should be able to do the next great thing. So we raise that bar. And for years of your life, I think that's awesome. In certain domains, it keeps you enthusiastic and learning and challenged. Yet we hit these moments and windows of time where it's like, I said yes to that, or people assume because you did something, you can do something else. And then it hits you like, what if they find out? What if they find out? I don't know what I'm doing, that I'm making it up. And, you know, I'm not really certain in this moment. And I think that's so human. What they also found with um, imposter syndrome is the real imposters are the people who don't feel like that. Oh, that's fascinating. That actually, for those of us who feel that way, that's what keeps your ego in check. Hmm, And it keeps us learning in a healthy way. But it is normal to have those doubts. What you have to do is be mindful of where you've set yourself up for too much. Or when it starts to permeate, meaning you, you stay there in that mindset way too long. And that's where a network of support comes in, because it's okay to say no. Again, I think a lot of this is in our external need of approval. So we
2: say yes to things we really don't want to do. Wow. Well, and if you think about, um, this was originally, the research was done I believe just on women initially is that true yep and it's really not a woman issue it men felt the same way exactly
3: the researchers in fact were commissioned to do it and they did the research project on women at the birth of feminism somewhere in the early 70s And then they were recommissioned 20 years later, because so many men said, look, this isn't a female thing. And their, their research concluded that was true. It's for anyone. We hit moments where we're like, what did I, why am I doing this? I'm not, can I really, is that wait? you know, and the better of us, I think says, well, of course I can. The question is, do you want to?
2: Hmm. That's always a good question to ask ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, when, let's talk about that a second too, because sometimes we look at ourselves and we're being introspective and it's all about me. And we've talked about if your world gets too small, the problems seem Much larger. So, what are some of the tricks we can have for ourselves to put some distance between it or to get a better sense of our own reality and maybe not make it all about us?
3: Well, I think that's a great question because there's a tipping point. I think, at least for me, I'd ask you the same thing. You know, I look up and there are times when I need to be more introspective, Mm -hmm. where I have to pause long enough to catch, like, what's really going on here. So I think,
2: well, not that's because speed... not everyone has good self-awareness. We have to recognize that. No, so... I
3: appreciate that. But I think we have to not speed bump that. So I do think it's the right first step is to go, huh, what, what do, what's happening for me here? Really? Is this a real thing or am I just spinning out on doubt? And then I think it's perspective gaining, and that can be gained in conversation with other people because some people do better that way. That can be found reading and Googling, you know, getting on a Google or picking up some of the books. I have a million books that Mm -hmm. I'll just need to hear someone's perspective where, you know, I can say, I'm feeling doubtful. I'm going to look at vulnerability with Brene Brown. You know, she's, you know, so renowned for this. Yes, she is. And then the flip side is, how do I give what I'm so afraid of? Like I have said yes to things because I do believe to grow as a human, you have to say yes to things that are uncomfortable, but there's a tipping point in there. And so how do I equip myself by saying, I'm not feeling very appreciated right now. I might go out and write three thank you notes, or I might make sure I, double down on my gratitude journal, or I might go read some pages in there. Because again, one of the touchstones of journaling, that's so important to me is seeing your thoughts on paper. And there's a phrase we all often uses, do you see what I'm saying? Well, that makes uh. no sense. And until you journal, you can't. So putting that on paper and using that as a tool, is actually one of the most reflective and valuable things I personally have done is to look and go, in the moments of doubt, Doubt, what have I appreciated? Because sometimes I'm in there. Sometimes it's stuff around me. Sometimes it's people or experiences. And that in and of itself shifts that context to, oh, there's always good things happening. I'm not failing right now.
2: Do you ever look back? at your journals, what you've written, or is it just the that's what I was just saying? You that's do literally you what I was look? just
3: saying is you use it as a touchstone going back
2: over. And so I think of quarter. just putting it on paper, frees my soul up initially. Initially, and- but in the doubtful moments,
3: imagine reading your own wisdom. Yeah. I actually know of someone who, when she read her own journal she heard the same words she was saying about a relationship she needed to let go of from a year prior and two years prior in her look back. And she said, you had said the same thing to me as did several people I talked to more than once. But until I read my own handwriting, it didn't hit me like a frying pan in the middle of my forehead. (laughs) And She changed the relationship. And that's the power of journals aren't just today they can be and you can write something and burn it up and feel great gratification but looking at your own wisdom is one of the greatest opportunities like i've just finished a thousand blogs which you know of and looking back at that i'm reading some of them going i don't remember writing that and yet it was so important that
2: day right well and when we talk about That day, something that seems so important, and you put it on paper, you put it out in a blog. I can tell you, I've had friends, relatives, clients that have seemed um, a little down and a little nervous about things, and everything was about them. And I've seen once they started being more outward or volunteering or turning that around to someone else all of a sudden they were more themselves. Okay. The people I know, right. Because I think there are moments in our lives that we sometimes go through those difficult times when maybe we do it to protect ourselves or, or we back down from things or, you know, something's changed in our worlds, right. Our relationship has changed. Our work has changed, or maybe someone's retired. You've changed jobs. And so, That journaling could be helpful as well, but also I see that outward looking. Totally agree with
3: you. Um, We had a phrase in my 30s when I was leading some different trainings, and it was, when in doubt, focus out.
2: Oh, that's a great line. And you just described it beautifully. (laughs) Well, what other things can you think of we need to share today with our audience? that You have so many. And I know we've picked up on some of the tops uh, that you and I have talked about, but what else is out there that we might share today? You
3: know, relative to um, balance, I think one of the best things that is a post-pandemic outcome is I think many of us have had the opportunity to really zero in on what fills you up. And I think until you do that inventory, whether you do the calendaring or not, and really look at your own values and where you gain energy, what activities, with what people. And again, I always think of resources as time, energy, and money. You also have relationships. But when I think of how you really, you know, put your well in wealthy, the way you say, I think about your values have to drive what's prioritized. You could do everything, but then you get very little. It's if you're doing the key things that fill you up for energy, you know, you're a better human. And that to me is that um, intangible expression of alignment between what matters to you
2: and how you're living. That's well said. I can appreciate that. Well, Sue, we were so delighted to have you share your tools with us to shatter that illusion of work-life balance. And so kind of the top things I heard today, calendaring to make Mm -hmm. sure we're keeping our priorities in focus, Mm -hmm. saying no without guilt. And we practiced a couple of those yeah, and then our miracle mornings so that we could add savers and maybe start our day off a little more positively. So before we invite Eric back to join us, my last question for you is how do you keep your well and wealthy? Well, we've covered a bunch of them. Um, (laughs) I'll tell
3: you a new thing I'm integrating this year. I told you about the personal VTO, which is a big one because that keeps my life on track. And then I do my business planning after. So always life first, business second, which keeps me in check. The second thing I'm doing, and this is my first time, I am actually going with a friend, but I am taking five days in a few weeks to complete my year so that I have this window of perspective. And it is an introspective, I'm gonna exercise, eat really healthy, go somewhere warm. And it's it's me and my journal and my friend. And it's, it's a me trip and I've never done this. So oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's the most recent, but the other things we shared are so on target. So thank you so much for, for asking. I'm excited so, about this one.
2: Sue, just a little tip when I had a major birthday. I went to a place to do that introspection with my journal and some books alone, not even with a friend. I wanted to go alone and have my own time. Well, between the airport and the location where I was going, I got on a bus with a group of women. And that just blew up because I had like 12 new best friends. We had a riot. It was wonderful. It was a totally different Experience. So again, just being open. Not what you were expecting. No, no, but I'm going to try it again sometime. But if it occurs the same way, it was still wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. That's so awesome. good luck on that. Thank you. That's we'll fun. see how it goes. I'll, I'll I'll report back. Oh, that's great. So Eric, would you join us, please? Absolutely. Well, so Eric, as you manage your time with your family, your business, volunteering commitments. Do you have any questions for sue or have you never really had any issues balancing all this
1: oh no i got issues <laughs> so we all do right sue we're normal I, yeah yeah well I'm, I'm in the normal club that's good, good. Uh, so i want to ask you about especially for business owners and, and those that are or even those that are trying to work up their way that you know up the company ladder if you will Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you think FOMO fear of missing out or fearing fear of missing opportunities drives that, those issues of trying to do too much? Because as a, when I first started my business, oh boy, I, I didn't want to turn anything down. I, even if it wasn't quite the right fit, I had to do it right. Because I got to get going.
3: Oh, I think you're spot on. And I think social media is a huge player mm. into that, right? Cause you can see so much more while it's happening. Um, The hardest part about that, and I will tell you for me personally, I I think it's a huge part of it. And I think when you're starting, again, depending on where you are in the journey, I think when you're new, and you're brand new business, you need to do that. Mm. You know, that's part of the hustle to put the energy that it takes to give birth to a business is getting out there and casting a wide net. Um, But over time, And this is where I think it doesn't become a winning strategy over time. Hmm. So at some point when it becomes a business and you start to hit some of your goals or outcomes you're seeking, or, you know, feel established and feel the constrictions on your time, what you have to do is do less better. And to me, that's the mantra of simplification is what are those key things? What really makes the the flywheel turn because I can try and be all things to everyone or I can be niched and one of the favorite my favorite things I've ever heard is the niches are in the riches are in the niches. Mm. Um, Really truly being an expert at something and sought out for that as opposed to trying to be all things or at all events. You can't. It's just a no.
1: Yeah, brilliant. All right.
2: Well, and Eric, I will tell you, we can learn more from Sue at her website. It's called sayyes.com, S-A-Y-Y-E-S-S.com.
3: Thank you so much for that. We do have a gift for you guys too. We do have three weeks of our Maximizing Success Journal if you want it. It'll be emailed to you. Fabulous. Thank you.
1: All right. Well, thank you both. This has been a fantastic podcast.
2: Well, thank you, Sue. We really appreciate you taking the time. And Eric, I'll let you close it up for us.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Barbara, for doing everything that you do to bring wonderful guests to the show. And our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Barbara comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, because this actually does help others find the show. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hightower, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to go out in the world and make a difference. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available.
4: Hightower Wealth Advisors is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity's specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.